having done my best to at least, at least give some of the essential components of a working democracy, I'd like to follow up with five reasons why referenda are a really bad and indeed undemocratic idea. And I will give these not necessarily in the order in which they occur to me, but in what I would regard as order of importance. And the first one is certainly the overall balance and compromise argument. And it runs like this. Sometime during the ill-fated Brexit referendum debate, I happened to listen to BBC Question Time, which I very rarely do because it annoys me so much. And somebody asked as their question, why is everyone so angry? And the answer to their question seems to me to be at the heart of why referenda are a bad idea. And that is because since a referendum is by and large a yes-no polarising decision, it naturally encourages people to take up trenchant positions on single issues. That's not true of a general election. General elections are very seldom fought on what are perceived to be single issues. Although things like the economy and, of course, security will come very high on everyone's agenda. But they always require us to look at the available candidates and make decisions based upon what you might call a balance of probabilities, even the least worst or, well, yes, the least worst candidate, I think, summarises it rather well. And those candidates will have positions on all sorts of things, some of which we will agree with and some of which we won't. The occasion when we will agree with everything someone says or nothing is comparatively rare. And therefore, when we make our mark on our ballot slip, we are, of course, at one level, just satisfying one of the five criteria for something to be a democracy. But we're also doing something that is at least as important and perhaps more important in that we are reflecting on and giving the final decision about a process of evaluation, balance, comparison, where we have of necessity been forced to compromise and where therefore we do not generally expect the outcome of the election, whether it's our side or some other side that eventually achieves a parliamentary majority or not, as the case may be. We don't expect to have elected a government with which we will be in complete or agreement or disagreement. And therefore the answer to the question, why is everyone so angry, is that people have been offered a polar choice between yes or no. And even the way the question was framed was inflammatory, some might think, unfair, others might think, and didn't represent the choices adequately. 
and there were certainly only two options on the ballot paper. So in doing this referendum exercise, we encourage people to be partisan, to be polar, yes or no, and therefore to be angry. And that, in my view, is seldom, if ever, a good thing for a democracy to do. And on that count alone, therefore, a referendum is undemocratic. A second argument which makes referenda undemocratic is that they can very easily become ways in which the population denied its say in so many things to do with government will vote one way or the other not on the issue that the referendum ostensibly asks their opinion on but because they're angry about something else or indeed although I suspect rather less obviously and frequently happy about something else. So people will say, I don't like the way this government has managed the environment, or I don't like the way the protagonists for this or that side have done this or that, or said this or that, or been this or that. And so you get arguments that are based upon the issue that evoke responses that have got nothing to do with the issue. And so you can see, although nobody of course has ever tested this, that the result of the referendum, even if it be a majority in favour or against the proposition, however it may fall, is not necessarily a result that reflects the opinions of those who voted on the issue it can perfectly well be a reflection of the opinions of those who voted on a whole range of issues, including a kind of collective vote of no confidence in one or other side of an argument, which has all sorts of consequences that bear nothing to do, have nothing to do with and don't bear upon the issue about which people are being asked to voice their view. And that, therefore, since people in effect make a decision on one thing whilst being taken to make a decision on another, is prima facie undemocratic. A reason is to do with something as fundamental as representation. If we hold a general election or even a council election, and 52% of the people vote for one candidate and 42%, 48% for the other, then one candidate on a first-past-the-post system gets in. But over the country as a whole, we would not expect that proportion to remain the same. And therefore, even though under PR, those who lose in a particular constituency or a particular ward of a council may find that they are preferred candidate is not elected, they will not find that the final composition of Parliament completely fails to represent their interests. They will not find that, because over the country as a whole, 
you would expect roughly, I know it doesn't work out like this, but roughly 48% of the people who are elected to be similarly view, hold a similar view to you. And admittedly, the others will get a majority and the majority may be disproportionate, as was the case with the massive Tory majority that Johnson got in 2019 with only 43% of the vote. But still, there will be several hundred people in Parliament, or wherever it may be, whose views you identify with, at least marginally, and who, therefore, you will regard as, to some extent, making your voice heard. Now, of course, in a referendum, nothing of the kind is true. And we've seen multiple instances of this in the aftermath of the 2016 Brexit referendum, when what effectively happened was that the 52% who supposedly claimed a majority, and it was only claimed because, of course, many of them, as I've already said, were voting on other things, those who voted on other things may well have given a certain numerical majority to the Brexiteers, but the 48% that voted against effectively found themselves completely excluded from the democratic process. Such To such an extent that that 48% remains to this day angry, with a feeling of alienation and disenfranchisement, and very, very much disinclined to support any of the policies that were necessary to follow the supposed democratic vote. A particular issue, when people vote on it, will have a disproportionate effect on different kinds of people. And therefore the views that different people are expressing in relation to it will not be based upon what you might call the common good, but upon their own. And that's why I say it relates to the first point, because when you're trying to compromise, when you're trying to decide what's the best thing overall, even if you're primarily guided by your own personal interests, you are still being forced to weigh and balance the issues and come to a conclusion. If you hold a referendum on a single thing, then you will tend to see that in relation to your own particular experience of that one thing and nothing else. And this isn't a good basis upon which to make a decision that affects everyone. And in fact, you could even go back to the piece on democracy and say that one of the criteria that a proper democracy needs to satisfy, although I didn't mention it because I thought most of you would probably laugh at the very thought, is that people shouldn't be voting on the basis of their personal interest but rather on their perception of what the collective good is. This raises all sorts of other questions which can't really be dealt with easily here or properly here, to which I may one other day return. 
But the point about a referendum on a single issue is that that single issue will impact me in a particular way. And I will therefore decide on how to vote accordingly. So I am what you might call almost actively being discouraged from taking a broader view. I'm being encouraged to take an individualistic view. And that means that a referendum isn't a good basis upon which to run a democracy too. The final fifth argument is what one might call simplification. The trouble with a single issue is that it is all too easy for unscrupulous members of the opposing camps to seize upon particularly extreme examples of abuse, the abuse of the very power that it is the subject of the referendum to decide, and then reduce the whole debate down to that level. We saw a particularly egregious example of this in the notorious battle bus of the nineteen of the twenty sixteen referendum when the pro Brexiteers, the Leave campaign, had the nerve to emblazon three hundred and fifty million pounds a week for the NHS on the size side of a double decker bus and drive it around the country. And this became a symbol for their cause. But of course it has been shown subsequently to be completely erroneous, completely inaccurate, and in fact a lie. And yet it is an example of just the kind of simplification that this sort of one way or another argument encourages. No doubt if there were a referendum, God forbid, on something like bringing back the death penalty, particularly extreme examples of the particularly grotesque behaviour of some murderers would be rolled out as an example of the kind of thing that the death penalty supposedly would prevent, although of course it wouldn't. But the, the problem of simplification is that it reduces to mind-sized bites issues that are unimaginably complicated. And the issue of Europe couldn't have been a better example, where in order to win, the arguments for leaving were exaggerated beyond belief. And to our everlasting shame, the arguments for staying were pathetically poorly expressed not least because Jeremy Corbyn refused to campaign wholeheartedly on behalf of the Remain campaign, but we can't lay this all at his door. So there we've got simplification as another very, very good reason not to reduce things to simple yes or no referenda. And the fact that what happens in simplification is that something that affects everybody is reduced to a slogan means that everybody is adversely affected by a wrong decision taken on the basis of that simplification. And this is to leave aside the argument that simplification is in any case 
something we should seek to avoid. But I've said enough, perhaps, about that in the last 230-odd episodes, not to need to repeat it now. So let's just repeat our list. The first is to do with balance, with the need to compromise, with the need to decide between competing and often incompatible choices which one will represent you and therefore which one you will vote for and therefore which one will to some extent presuppose that you are ready to compromise. The second, which we I suppose could label opposition, is the argument that people will vote to oppose a certain position or to oppose a certain government. They will vote as a protest and that therefore they will not really be voting on the issue about which the referendum is supposed to be seeking their views. The third was representation, that under a referendum we don't have the opportunity to find our voice represented in the final decision because it is a win winner takes all situation the fourth is that we are disproportionately encouraged tempted to make decisions based upon our individual wishes and prejudices and preferences so that we might call individual and the last is simplification that we might be tempted to put a slogan on the side of a bus and treat it as though it was a sufficient basis upon which to make such a complex and far-reaching decision, potentially, ostensibly, for many, many years, if not forever. But if you've been paying attention, you will notice that balance, opposition, representation, individualism and simplification form a convenient mnemonic whereby you can remember everything that was wrong with the 2016 referendum. And it spells Boris. Thank you for listening.